What is science? Is this science? Is that science? How does someone even do science? What makes someone a scientist? And how did they learn to science? In this podcast, we answer these questions and more while talking to great guests from across the sciences and having just a little bit of fun. Welcome to Is This Science? Hello, welcome to episode three of Is This Science, a podcast where Allie sneezes while I talk about it. <laughs> you muffled that one though. You know, you did a good job hiding it and then I had to point it out. Uh, a podcast where we talk about science, what it means to be a scientist, uh, what not to do when you're a scientist, and many, many more exciting topics in the world of science. How many times can I say science in one sentence? Almost as many um, times as you can say extreme hunker down. Extreme hunker down. Also as many times as I can say, they are very small. <laughs> Did you know that microorganisms are very small? Um, so if you didn't listen to episode two, that's just a little primer for episode two. So you can go watch or watch that. Nope. Uh, you can go listen to that uh, on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on right now. Okay. Um, and also just so everyone stops being concerned, uh, Caitlin does officially have the microscope. She has my microscope. I have the microscope. I went on my great tardigrade hunt of 2020, went about as well as the whole year of 2020, which means not very well. So uh, I didn't find any tardigrades in my moss that I collected, but I'm hopeful that I can find some eventually. We can put some pictures up. But I did play around with Allie's little desktop microscope and I had a great time just in my house <laughs> looking at stuff through that on my computer. It was really fun. And just silly mistakes just to prove that we're all human and scientists are, are real people too who also make silly mistakes. So this week for my my how to not, I'm actually going to have my partner tell us, tell you this story because I feel like he, since he was there, he'll do a better job. So Joshua, do you want to talk to us about your your how to not science experience? Uh, so I, I'm Josh, um, Josh Brage. I don't know if you need my last name, but there it is. Um, I am a paleoclimatologist and I specialize in prehistoric hurricanes. So okay. hurricanes, but for dinosaurs. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's like Jurassic Park, but with hurricanes. So. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Sharknado, but with dinosaurs yeah. instead. <laughs> so um so this happened actually during my master's degree. Um, we were going to go out and take some sediment cores and we were going to use a vibracore. And I'm pretty sure nobody knows what a vibracore is. Basically, it's a giant, um, it's a giant barrel that has a vibrating motorhead to it that um, it vibrates at a high enough frequency to essentially liquefy the sediment. So it's easy to get the barrel actually in there and get a core. Um, it's a big hole punch. <laughs> yeah, it, it effectively is a, is a big hole punch. And so um, to do that, though, you need a tripod. And so we went to go borrow a colleague's tripod that's about 10 to 12 feet tall. Um, and they were on the other side of New Orleans. Um, so we went, picked it up. Um, I thought that my advisor had strapped it, strapped it into the back of the truck. He thought that I had strapped it into the back of the truck. That was not the case as it became apparent when I heard some metal screeches. Um, and I looked back to see a 10 to 12 foot tripod fly out of the back of a truck into rush hour traffic on the interstate in New Orleans. So, <laughs> so I, was just, I was just like, oh my God. And my advisor was like, what? What, what happened? I was like, the tripod's gone. It just flew out. And like, when it hit the ground, 
it spread over two of the three lanes of traffic in New Orleans. So, um, and I had never heard my advisor cuss up until that point. And it was just a solid, and Ali, I'm assuming you can bleep me out, but it yeah. was just a solid streams of. So, and we didn't think to pull off immediately and, and go pick it up. No, no, our, our really intelligent selves um, <laughs> decided to find the nearest exit so we could turn around. So it took a full 30 minutes to get back to the, the crime scene, if you will. <laughs> By that time, some poor lady had hit it um, and like her car was off to the side of the road. Fortunately, the only thing that was actually wrong with her car was that it tore her um, oil pan up, um, which was like 20 or $30 to fix. Uh, she didn't want insurance getting involved, which is like, okay, that's weird, but you know, we had university insurance, so we could pay for everything. Yeah. Um, but I also had to go and, and when she hit the, when she hit the tripod, it tore it apart. And so I had to find the, the third leg somewhere along the interstate um, in, in rush hour traffic. And, you know, as I'm walking down the side of the interstate in New Orleans, I'm in flip flops and I almost stepped on a used needle. It was fantastic. Um, and then I see the, uh, the third leg and it's in the back of the truck of the Louisiana Department of Transportation. They just drive off with it. So, um, so we finally, you know, got the rest of the tripod back, um, made it back to our campus. Didn't do field work, obviously. Um, and actually, we had to fill up the truck um, and our campus had a gas station there. And so when we went to go fill up the truck there, um, did that and then the truck wouldn't start. So it was just a great day. Um, all together and so we had to tell the guy who we borrowed the tripod from we had to tell him about his tripod how it was massacred he found it hilarious <laughs> immediately after you took it you broke yes. it into a million so, pieces um, he found it hilarious um so then we had to build a new one for him and just decided to build one for ourselves as well <laughs> um and so that's why you always check to see whether or not the tripod has been ratchet strapped in so don't do that. Don't 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 be like <laughs> me or my advisor. It's probably in, in terms of things that happen on highways in New Orleans. It's probably like one of the tamer things that's been thrown out of a car. That is, that is fair. That is fair. It's uh, and I will say that the the stories honestly don't end there. Um, oh yeah, Josh I, has many more oopsies. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sure we'll talk Fieldwork, to him again. Fieldwork oh. is, uh, is is just a breeding ground for just mess ups. So. Yeah. And Josh, we'll definitely love to have you on the podcast to talk about your work as well. Oh, yeah, I'd be happy to. It, it would be a lot of fun. And um, I'm always, I mean, what scientist doesn't like talking about their work, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, but yeah, don't be like me. So Allie, do you have a science whoopsie for this week? So I have three options. And so I'm going to cut the options out so you can pick one. Yes. Um, but I'm just going to tell it like everyone that I'm giving you the options. So three options cloning gone wrong mm -hmm. l113 burning myself <laughs> Ooh, that is a quality story you know or spanish word errors Ooh, okay oh this is hard and this, I mean, I uh, the, one the, the spanish word error is me asking for rubber bands but i was really asking the grad student male grad student in my lab for condoms oh no i've had a something i don't know if that's a friend in italy enough. I was like, I don't know if that's appropriate enough for the podcast, but I think it's super funny. I mean, we could just say, you know, rubber has multiple meanings. <laughs> that's what I, that's a, a, like, a, that's how they explained it to me later on. But 
I basically just like screamed in the lab like does anyone have I meant like a rubber band like that's what I thought it was called and they were like just be careful because you're basically asking does anyone have a condom for you and I was like oh <laughs> that's not what I need yeah. <laughs> never needed one of those in place <laughs> yeah okay so yeah at some point we'll get to all three of them I mean probably less often if more people keep sending in their uh their their mishaps or how to not so but- if you have a story of a mistake that you made in lab or doing field work or any other fun science whoopsies um you can email us uh, our gmail is protonation nation um i will not spell that out but ali it's in the it's in the show notes so you can go there um and then send us an email and we'll do uh we'll read out some some fun listener listener shares of things they've done too So, Caitlin, this week we're going to learn all about you. So, who you are, uh, your journey in science, and what kind of some of your science is that you work on now, and what does Caitlin want to do in the future? So, take yeah, it away. So, this is the, the me episode. Um, so, I'm going to be talking about my research in uh, virology, which is what I'm working with now. Um, but I'll tell you about my, my crazy, crazy journey. Um, to become the, the person and scientist that I am now. So um, just a super quick background. Uh, so I was born in Boston, but I grew up in Vermont. So um, farm country, we grew up like right across the street from an actual farm. It's no longer a farm, um, but that's a sidebar again, look at me go. Okay, um, so this, so I uh, went to college in Boston. I went to Boston University. Um, and I studied biology and environmental science and shout out to my fellow BU podcasters. I actually have two podcasts I listen to with people that also went to Boston University. So the first one is, uh, and that's why we drink. Um, and then they also have other podcasts on their, their little network. Um, and then uh, new player has joined is another podcast I like with two guys that also went to BU around the same time as me. So we're in a, we're a good bunch. Uh, apparently BU pumps out podcasters like no other. <laughs> um, also, but, you talked about, and that's why we drink. Uh, Beach juice, handy water, too. wet also has someone from BU. Yeah, well, I was gonna say that. I was gonna say they also have other shows, but yeah. yeah. Um, so Christine and um both went to BU. Yeah, exactly. Um. Okay, so I went to Boston University for college. Um, and then after that, I majored in biology. I switched majors many times. I actually started as a business major. I really didn't know what I wanted to do at all. Um, and so I, the one thing I did know is that when I was a kid, and my parents always told me this, is that I wanted to be a marine biologist because I just loved marine, everything to do with the ocean. I was obsessed with being at the ocean. I was obsessed with any sea creature. Um, to this day, only creatures that live in and around the ocean are my favorite animals. <laughs> so aside from dogs, dogs are amazing. And I guess they can be at the ocean, but they don't really live there. Um, but so I knew that I wanted to do something in science, I thought, but I didn't really know what it meant to be a scientist. And I didn't really know what a scientist looked like. Um, Cause I just wasn't, I didn't grow up in a place where there were, um, there were many people that were doing research science like I'm doing now. Um, and so I just kind of left college and was like, I'm going to get a job um, working at the Marine Biological Laboratory, which is in Woods Hole, Massachusetts. Um, so if you look at Massachusetts, there's Cape Cod, which is the little peninsula that kind of sticks off of it into the Atlantic Ocean. And it, it looks like a, a, like an arm, like someone doing a bicep curl. And so we always joke because Woods Hole is kind of in the armpit. So we're in the armpit of Cape Cod. Um, but there's 
tons of biological science going on in that town. And so all I knew is I wanted to be in marine science and I wanted to go to that town and I wanted to live there. Um, and so I did. So for three years after college, I worked at the marine biological lab um, as just like a basic, basic, uh, like post bachelor's college grad. Um, so I was, you know, I was doing really basic um, science work, mostly animal husbandry. Um, and so that literally just animal husbandry is like a strange term, but it all, it really just means taking care of animals. So I learned how to take care of a lot of different uh, water, water dwelling animals. What is wrong with me? Um, I worked with a lot of aquatic animals or animals that live in the water. Um, so I worked with frogs. I worked with fish. I worked with squids. I worked with sharks. I was working at one point with, um, with turtles and frog and frogs and snakes. I worked with basically any animal you could possibly imagine. You with frogs? I did work with frogs for a long time. Yeah. That was my, my, my job at the marine biological lab was actually in a frog resource center. So it's very similar actually to the Drosophila stock center, which we have here at IU Bloomington or Indiana university Bloomington. Um, which they had, were recently featured in the New York Times. So look at us yes. being famous. Um, but uh, so uh, it was a similar thing, but instead of sending out fruit flies to people that want them with whatever genes knocked out or changed or whatever protein you want to like have a fluorescent tag on it. So that way you can see it. Um, Allie's laughing at me. You know, my my job wasn't to make the, the glowing frogs. Like I didn't make any mutant frogs. Um, I helped raise them. So I would raise them from little little embryos all the way up until they were full grown frogs. Um, and then I'd ship them all over the world. So that was my job. I only asked you if you worked with frogs because you listed frogs three times. So I was just kidding. I listed frogs you. three times. It was the first thing you listed and then one in the middle. And then I asked and then you said you worked with frogs again. Oh, I think it's because I was, I worked with different frogs. So I worked with poison dart frogs. But also, then I- frogs technically aquatic if they don't live in the water? They're amphibians, so I don't know. Yeah. I just um, I'll I count it. Part of their life in the water. Um, yeah, I should say that. So I did work with frogs twice. That's correct. Different frogs. But I did work with frogs twice uh, at different points in my life. Um, and so working at this this um, this research lab, I you know I wasn't working on a marine organism, but I was still in town. I was interacting. All my friends um, were marine scientists in some way or another, PhD students. And so I really got a feel for what it means to get a post bachelor's degree um, because I was basically surrounded by people that were doing that or had done that. Um, and so I was able to see a little bit more about what it actually means to be like a lab scientist and, a, and what we call bench researchers, which are just people that rather than going out in the field and taking samples, they are working in a lab is basically what that means. Um, and so I really liked I liked getting my hands dirty. I like. I really enjoyed, you know, going out on boats and collecting animals. But I, but I didn't really see that as a career for me. So I ended up um, uh, really enjoying the sort of lab, the la in the lab work. Um, so like throwing out science terms uh, that's not super important that people know, but like PCR um, and really really basic basic biology. So like mini preps and different things. I was basically like, like the, the grunt worker <laughs> for a lab. So I would, I wouldn't really know what I was, what things I was working on specifically. I would just be given a tube and be like, Hey, can you do this? Um, and so I got to know the techniques really well, but the problem is I wasn't ever involved in like the actual research itself. So I wasn't ever really sure 
exactly what was going on. And um, I really wanted to be a person that knew what was going on. So uh, I, to make, to like make a long, long story, semi short, um, I ended up deciding to go get my master's. So I did my master's degree um, at the University of Southern Mississippi, um, which is uh, down on the Gulf Coast. They have a satellite campus that's called the Gulf Coast Research Laboratory. And that's where I was based. So uh, that satellite campus is on the Gulf of Mexico in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, um, which is about an hour east of New Orleans is usually how I orient people because nobody really knows anything in Mississippi, which is fine. Um, and so I was studying bacteria that live on or in sharks. Um, and I know I mentioned this in a previous episode, but um, it's basically, I was looking at the microbiome of sharks and stingrays. So those are the bacteria that are uh, living in or on your body. So like you have these bacteria also that live on your skin, they live in your gut, they live at any of the orifices, they live everywhere. Um, and so sharks aren't any different. Um, so they also are gonna have a gut microbiome, they're gonna have a skin microbiome and they're gonna actually have other microbiomes because their anatomy is obviously quite a bit different than ours. Um, and so I was, I, that's why I ended up going down there was, um, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the University of Southern Mississippi, but what I did is I went on a job board that has posting specifically for biology jobs, um, which I am absolutely forgetting the name of, cause this was literally eight years ago. Um, I'll try to find it, but I don't remember. It might not even be a thing anymore, um, but it was a website that basically posted jobs for biologists with certain levels of degrees. And they would often post calls for people to apply to master's programs or PhD programs with a specific project that, the, that they already had money to do. So that's what I did. Um, that's how I got involved in this project uh, and ended up spending two years um, getting my master's uh, and I was, I will do an entire episode, I'm sure, on drunk shark science, because I have so much to talk about in terms of shark microbiome, because it is so, again, the, my favorite word is super cool, um, but they, it's really nice. So we're going to, I'm going to do an episode on that in the future. I'll make Allie write that one down. I was going to say, only if I pick the topic for you. I know. And I was like, I'm going to give you all the topic. Now that you said you wanted it, you're going to have to wait. Crap. Should never have said that. Definitely don't want to do lobsters then. Don't give me lobsters as a topic because I want to talk about it so bad. Okay. Um, but so then I got my master's. Again, long story short, got my master's. And then I also didn't know if I wanted to get a PhD yet. So even though I had spent time around all these PhDs uh, and had been working on my master's, I was still not sure if I actually wanted to go through the full process of getting a PhD because it's a it's a lot of commitment for time. Um, and it's also just mentally, you have to like really prepare yourself and make sure that you want a job that requires a PhD before you actually go get one is usually the idea. Um, and so I wanted a master's first. And after I got a master's, I ended up moving up to Bloomington, Indiana with my partner who was starting his PhD program in um, geography. Uh, so he's in the geography department and in the earth and atmospheric sciences department. But so we moved up here um, and I ended up getting a job uh, teaching at the com local community college in Bloomington. Um, it's all over the state of Indiana. Um, it's called the Ivy Tech Community College. And it's a soup, it's very famous because they, they are one of the best community college networks in the country. They're actually ranked very highly um, and it's great. A community college is a wonderful resource that we really should talk about more. And I'm hoping maybe Dr. Jill Biden, our, our new, uh, first lady will 
maybe talk about it because she also teaches at community college. Um, I on our podcast and I was like, I don't think we're going to get oh, Jill Biden on oh, our no. podcast. I don't think Dr. Jill Biden will talk to us. Maybe about community college because, oh my gosh, I would love that. All I know is once we got Joe Biden to talk about Stonehill College in a press release, and that was the happiest we've ever been. Wow. We did the It's On Us campaign uh, to end uh, sexual assault on college campuses. Yeah, I was going to say the thing that we have in the bathroom stalls now. (laughs) Yeah, we were one of the, well, you have the piece of paper that says It's On Us in the bathroom stalls. Yeah, yeah, no. It was the first year that it had piloted and we did like a huge, uh, some of the students put together a huge program event for it. And you could like write in about what your program event was. And he talked about our specific program event in his press release. That's amazing. Okay. Maybe we will get Dr. Jill Biden on here sometime. Maybe. Probably not, but hey, Dr. Jill, we appreciate you. (laughs) Definitely not, but hi, Dr. Jill. (laughs) Definitely not. Um, So yes, I taught at community college. I was also working part-time in a lab. It was a big big struggle in my life, um, in 2016 for a number of reasons. Um, but I was, I was very underemployed is what I'll call it. Um, working a lot of hours and not really making any headway. And I was getting very frustrated. Uh, and so I ended up starting to look for other jobs. And so I, I ended up working, uh, I got a job at Indiana university uh, in Bloomington working with fruit flies. So that was, that was my job that I started after about a year of living here and struggling. So I was just so excited, have a full-time job with health insurance, all that fun stuff. Um, and I was able to keep teaching at the community college uh, at night, which was really kind of my boss at the time to let me let me do that um, and it helped pay the bills. And also I just, ha- I really fell in love with teaching. And I think that's what really pushed me to want to get a PhD is that I really fell in love with teaching. And I was like, I think I could do more. I think I could do I think I could make these lectures and the way that I'm, that I'm trying to explain science to people, I think I can make this like much better. And so I decided at that point that I wanted to get a PhD. And so I ended up applying to Indiana University Bloomington, obviously, because that's where I am. And a few other schools, I won't go into it since I obviously didn't go there, but a few other schools in the Midwest um, and got in and accepted and am here now, three years later. Oh my gosh. Um, so I've done, I've done it. I've done, basically long story short. How many times can I say that in one podcast? I, it was a long story short. It was a long story just in it's general. Usually a, it's usually a longer story before I start editing, editing. It's usually a longer story. And then Allie edits out all my sidebars because I am the queen of sidebar nation. Oh, she's, I the of, tangent. she's the tangential, tangential queen. Yes, I am the tangential queen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to make Allie's life easier, but I don't think it's working. So. Oh, you make my life easier every day. Oh, so kind. Um, okay, so I've done it all. Basically, is my point. I've done. I've done it all. All the level, all the level of science. I've been an intern and a volunteer and a low level lab tech and a middle middle level lab tech, and now I'm PhD student. Or PhD so you've done a PI. No. Oh, also, we should explain what a well, PI is. Then you haven't been a principal investigator for a lab. Fair. You haven't been the boss yet. Yeah, I have not been the boss yet. But hey, we're doing our own podcast, so we're kind of our own boss now. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we're not making money, but we're still <laughs> we're still doing it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've done it all. Um, so my my suggestion is, if you're not sure what you want to do, is to do a bunch of different stuff. And I know that that's not really like unique advice. Um, 
but it's, it really did help me decide what I wanted to do and what I really, more importantly, it made me decide what I didn't want to do. And so that's, yeah. that's my advice is just to the, try to do as much thing as with a master's is usually you have to pay for it where a yes. PhD program, they pay you. Yes. So. Um, also, sorry. If you hear weird grumbling in the background, that would be my dog Naga, who is another podcast mascot. So she has a very deep growl, so you might hear some weird under, underneath tones of her. It's not just me this time. Anyways. It's not just Allie and her cat. Cats. Um, so yeah, broaden your horizons. It really helped me figure out that I didn't really want to go into animal husbandry as much as I thought. I really loved working with animals, and I thought that's what I wanted to do. And then I did it for three years, and I was just kind of like, okay. I think it, it was just very repetitive and I, and for some people that's really nice. Um, and I just got really bored. So I think it just depends on, um, on your comfort level and where you're at in your life and many other things. Um, I really wanted to be in a certain place. And so I did that and had a great time when I was there. Um, and then did my master's, got a different job, tried that out, saw what a master's level job in science looks like, um, which is, you know, similar, but it's, there's more, um, usually you're more involved in the research and usually you have your own sort of project is what we call them. So your boss will basically say, Hey, like my old boss would say, Hey, there's this protein that I want you to study. And I wouldn't really know much about the protein, but I would get to do my own research on what the protein was or what it might be, or, Hey, we don't know what this is, but here's where it's located in the genome of the fruit fly. And then I would get to do a whole bunch of experiments, like knocking it out and tagging it with fluorescent things and doing a bunch of stuff that's not really that important to this <laughs> for the sake of the story. <laughs> but yeah, so there's there's many things you can do with uh, with a science degree, with a bachelor's degree in science, with a master's degree in science, though they are they are becoming more rare. And like Ali said, um, some of them you do have to pay for grad school in sciences. That's not the case. They actually do or they should pay you and they should pay for your tuition. So that's the good news is that you'll get a stipend. It won't be very much, but it's usually enough to live on. So that's my, my life story. And now we are in the present day. So what am I doing now? Cause I have done so many weird things in my past. Frogs, as we know, I've talked about frogs twice, sharks. I've literally worked with every possible animal you could imagine, except for like really big ones. Monkeys, narwhals, no, no, Dogs? I guess. I guess I was never really a mammal person. I did a lot axolotls. of axolotls. I I did work in a I did work in a room that had axolotls in it. I wasn't the one taking care of them though. Damn. That's a good that's that should be a good topic to throw in this box though. Axolotls. Um so present day. What am I doing now? So my third year PhD student, as I've said multiple times. Um and what I'm studying are viruses. So people that study viruses are called virologists, uh, which is a thing, I think people probably have seen that term a little bit more now that we're in the middle of a viral pandemic. Um, but I just wanted to, you know, shout that out in case you've seen that word and don't really know what it's referring to. We're just biologists that focus on studying viruses. Uh, and so the virus that I study is called rotavirus. Um, and it's called that because it actually kind of looks like a wheel. So the first time they got pictures of it, they saw this thing, this little round, um, round viral capsid, uh, and the caps is just the, the sort of like outside of the virus. So kind of like the, the it's like a shell, like a shell. Thank you. I was like, what's the word I'm looking for a shell. Uh, and it looks, it's round and it looks like spokes on a wheel. That's the way it was imaged. And so they called it rotavirus because rota means wheel. 
and it is a gastrointestinal pathogen. So that means that it's a disease causing bug that infects your guts. Um, and so it is transmitted fecal to oral route, which is gross, but a lot of the enteric viruses are, I'm so sorry to tell you. And it doesn't uh, mean you have to eat poop. It means no. that you could wipe your, your butt and then not wash your hands good enough and then put your hands in your mouth. Yes. And it so is this really common for kids to get who don't know how to wash their hands very well yet. Yeah. So it is, um, it's most common in infants under uh, the age of one year. Um, and so the, uh, the, there's actually what I'm just like wondering if they're sticking their hands in their diapers. I'm so confused. So the, the thing, I mean, yeah, kids do actually do that a lot. They do. They stick their hands in their butt. One year old though. Like they're not, they don't really know. Oh yeah. I mean, when you're one, everything's just everywhere. You're putting your feet in your mouth. Like everything's going in your mouth. Okay. 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 That's fair. Yeah. Um, it is really common among kids because everything goes in a kid's mouth. Um, and so it was, it was a severe problem um, before two and before 2006. It's still a problem in, in underserved in. I would say underserved. Underserved. Okay. So this was a huge problem until 2006, and it continues to be a problem in underserved communities um, and specifically countries that don't have the funds or the resources to have a widespread vaccination campaign. So, um, for instance, the most common uh, the most common places that you'll see rotavirus infections now is in Nigeria and India because they're po heavily populated and uh, and don't have the same resources that we do to get a vaccine out to millions and millions of people. So in the US though, there is there are two rotavirus vaccines that are offered um, and they're both oral, which is good. So basically it's just a little drop on your kid's tongue. So no, no sticking with needles, nothing and nothing like that. Um, it's really cool because the, the, the vaccine is not only oral, so you don't have to train anybody to use needles. It's also shelf stable. So you don't need all these crazy freezers like we're seeing right now for the COVID vaccine. Um, and that's because I will tell you why we need a freezer for the COVID vaccine. Um, Cause my research is all about basically what that vaccine is made of. Um, but some, some other cool things about the, uh, or the, the other thing about the vaccine that I should say is that even though it's available and recommended by pediatricians in the normal vaccination schedule for infants, it's still not being utilized as much as they expected it to be. Um, and obviously Allie and I were both kids before 2006. We were both infants well before 2006. And so we just got it. Basically every kid before 2006 at some point got a rotavirus infection and you had horrible diarrhea and horrible stomach problems and it was bad and your parents were not having a good time dealing with it so sorry mom and dad um but now kids are vaccinated the, the problem is that parents aren't are choosing not to take the vaccine or they're not following up and having a second dose you actually need two doses Don't so it requires more than one dose you have to be careful parents should really look into the vaccination schedules to figure out what vaccines need to be done when and how many times they need to be given a booster or a second dose. So that's been that's an issue right now. So I'd encourage any parents or soon to be parents to look into the rotavirus vaccine and ask about it because it's a great vaccine. It's really effective. And like I said, there's no needle sticks. So at least you just you get, you know, just got to get your baby to stick its tongue out basically. So um, like I was saying, so the, the 
the coronavirus vaccine is not shelf stable like the rotavirus vaccine. It is kept in these extremely cold freezers uh, that we just call minus 80s. And they literally sit at minus 80. Oh, there we go. Never mind. Yeah. I was like, they literally sit at minus 80 degrees Celsius. So cold. And that's, that's at the point basically where all life processes have stopped. Viruses aren't doing anything. Bacteria aren't doing anything. You're like, it's just frozen. It's frozen and completely nothing. Ain't happened. no one doing anything. Ain't no one doing anything in that minus 80. You know it's- what? It's much like a grad student during winter break. Ain't no one doing anything. <laughs> we are much, we're the minus 80s of the holidays. <laughs> we're just, <laughs> oh Lord, I hate myself. Okay, so. Love it, keep going. <laughs> so, uh, the, the reason why the coronavirus vaccine needs to be stored at this super, super, super cold temperature is that it's actually an RNA vaccine. Um, and so if you've seen that before, RNA is just a kind of genetic information carrier molecule. So much like, you know, DNA that you have uh, in, your, in your cells right now, uh, RNA is a, basically like a copy of your DNA that it has a specific goal. So um, the RNAs that I'm talking about are going to be viral RNAs, um, but any RNA in your cell is just a copy of the genetic information in your DNA. That's all it is. This is really the only, the only difference that you need to know for the sake of this podcast. Um, and so RNA is- There'll be a quiz at the end of the season. There will be a quiz. No, there won't. I won't. There won't be a quiz. Um, and blah, 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 blah. So RNA, the reason it needs to be kept at minus 80 degrees and why the vaccine requires these really, really cold freezers in order for to be distributed is that it's an RNA vaccine. And so the whole, the vaccine is basically made up of these RNA molecules and they, they love, their favorite thing to do is to fall apart, much like a grad student in 2020. Their favorite thing to do is to just fall apart. It's like, you look at them wrong and they fall apart. 2020? I've been falling apart I haven't been stable in 25 years. It falls apart if you look at it wrong, much like a grad student in 2020. And so my PI looks at me and I'm like, oh no, what did I do now? Uh, and so the, you Just have kidding, to, PI is a gem. I yeah, it's true. Your PI is wonderful. He gave you Christmas presents. I also got a Christmas present. I got a mug. I'm really excited about this. My mug collection is getting out of control, but I have a mug that my um, my boss got me that it has a rotavirus particle on it, like a little EM picture. Uh, so like a, a wheel. EM, EM is something we could talk about later. We're not going to get into that. Uh, oh, yeah. putting this in the episode? Oops. Oh, no, no, no. I thought oh. this was just a random tangent. Okay, I figured it was, but I never know what you're going to put in, so. Uh, anyway, he got me a mug that says Rotolab on it. It's cute. Uh, that's really cute not as cute as you trash anyways continue (laughs) hashtag normalized trash um (laughs) (laughs) I just need to be trubbish one year for Halloween just one year I just need to be what what I imagine would is like the incarnation of my spirit is trubbish okay back to what I was talking about so RNA falls apart if you look at it blah 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 so you need to keep it in a really cold freezer like at minus 80 degrees celsius uh in order to keep that rna from falling apart it it again it's it's kind of like if you put stuff in your yeah (laughs) you put a popsicle in the freezer 
it thaws out. It's no longer a popsicle. It's basically the same thing. Like if they just your aren't. Your popsicle good. is thawing out in the freezer. Your freezer is wrong. It's dead. <laughs> you put it in the fridge, actually. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If you put it in the fridge. Put your popsicle in the freezer and it thaws out. Like, that was the fridge. Yeah. If you, if you put a freezer in, if you put a freezer in the popsicle, what is happening? Are you drunk? Because that's not. I'm actually not. I haven't been drinking at all. Oh my goodness. I don't know what is happening. So I study the RNA that makes up my virus, rotavirus. Uh, and that RNA has a lot of cool things that it does. So when my virus sneaks into one of your cells in your gut, it begins just spewing out copies of RNA, just like spewing them out, just much like a honeybee vomiting honey. They just spew RNA into the cell. And that RNA has a bunch of different jobs. So that RNA can be used to as like a like a guidebook to make proteins that'll help make new viruses. So it's acting as kind of this like little factory that uh, has been tricked into making viruses instead of whatever the cell wants. The virus is like, nope, you're gonna make this instead. Uh, and so that's one of their jobs. Cruise director. Yes, yes, exactly. RNA is very important. This is my point, but it does because it does it all. But they are used to make proteins. They're also used to make more copies of the virus because you need to put, you need much like your cells, all your cells need copies of a genome. Viruses are the same way. So the virus needs to make more copies of its genome. So they're used for that. Um, and they can, there's a lot of different things RNAs can do, but for the sake of my virus, I'll just stick with those two. And so I study RNA uh, from rotavirus and specifically how the structure of RNA impacts the virus's ability to take over the cell. So I think we, we, when we think about DNA and RNA, we tend to get this picture of just like A, T, C, G repeated in some weird fashion for millions and millions of times. If you go through the Human Genome Project, you can literally print out the whole human genome and it's just a series of A's, T's, C's, and G's. But that's not really what it looks like, right? It's not like just a line of, of letters that is important too, but the actual way that the RNA is sort of um, uh, folded up in the cell, that is actually really important. So if you imagine like, let's say you have a bunch of things written on a piece of paper and you crumple it up. When you crumple it up, now you can't see whole sentences and you can't read a whole paragraph, but you can see words. You can, they might not be in, a, in an order that makes sense to you, but you can still see here's a word here, like here's the word koala. I can see that now. And it would have been hidden in this huge, huge paragraph of words if you hadn't folded it in a way that that word koala was like visible. And RNA works in much the same way. So the RNA folds uh, and, and certain, certain letters that are in that, the, that RNA molecule are gonna pop up to the surface. So that way they're gonna be more easy for this, more easy, easier for the cell. More easy. More easy for the cell to recognize. So I, I want to figure out what the, the, the structure or like how that crumpled ball of RNA, I want to figure out how that, uh, what, what things are sticking up. So that way I can, that'll tell me something about their importance. So this, this thing's sticking up in the air, I can know like, okay, there's something important that this specific molecule is trying to tell the cell to do. Um, and then the cell will make more copies of the virus. So instead of crumpling up the paper, you want to, and seeing like what letters are there. It's a structure, like if you made a cootie catcher, like you had yes. in elementary school that you could pull up and see different parts. Yes, exactly. Nice. Exactly. Just like a cootie catcher. That's a good example. I forgot what those were called. I honestly was going to say that, and then I just couldn't remember what they were called. 
I made up for you in my day. I did too. Uh, Too bad there's not a vaccine for cooties, am I right? (laughs) I still watch a lot of cartoons and boy, cooties are still a problem in terms of kids' cartoons. Please cut that out. That was weird. (laughs) (laughs) Not the cootie vaccine. I'm keeping that. Keep that. No, keep that. That was good. My reaction to it wasn't. (laughs) My riffing is not going well. I don't know what's wrong with me um but anyway so that's that's what i study is perfect how, how the crumpled the crumpled ball of rna how how that works so it's a really it's a, it's a really cool project um it's very uh involved and i'd be super happy to talk to anybody about it that wants to just find me on twitter but viruses are fascinating and like i said in the first episode they are like the best cell biologists so I, there are people in my lab that study all aspects of how this virus actually gets into your cells and makes more copies of itself. I'm just studying this one aspect, but people in my lab are studying how the cell, how the host cells, so the cell that it's actually infecting, how it can sort of tell the virus to get out and just be like, nope, we're not doing that. We're not making more copies of you. And then also how the virus is good at getting past that. So how they act as kind of like little Trojan horses, make it into the cell. And then all of a sudden they just spit DNA or, or RNA everywhere and make make the cell do what it wants. So they're, they're great. Um, and I'm sure we'll do more on, on other viruses. I'm sure I'll talk about more, more things than that. Um, we have to, de- one day we'll do a, a full panel debate on whether or not they're yes. alive. Yeah. We'll have some of my virology pals from, from IU come and we'll talk about viruses and their, their life status. <laughs> That'll probably be a drunk science episode, I think. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, that's about it. And so, um, yeah, if you ever have any questions about viruses, specifically rotavirus or the vaccine, um, yep, you can find me on Twitter. What's your, what's your handle? My Twitter handle is at NSP3MKate, K-A-I-T. So yeah. it's, a, it's a weird one, but it actually is, is a reference to the viral gene that I work with because I'm a dork. So yeah that's it. I mean, we're making, also part of what i work on we're making a podcast about science in our free time so we're obviously both super dorky oh. true story nice yeah so i like that you know, do you my, know what um, i want to do after iu caitlin oh yeah i should talk about that so ideally i would love to do something that involves teaching so that doesn't have to be like a college professor um but i would really want to be in a place where i could be involved with um, doing outreach, so community work. Um, right now, we're we're involved in a couple different organizations, including a couple different charities. Um, and so, I would love to do something that in, that involves a lot of community outreach and getting people interested in STEM um, early on in their careers. And then also just ad- being an advocate in general. Um, that's not really a job, but it's kind of like my <laughs> my goal is to be an advocate in addition to whatever I'm doing. So I really want to represent LGBTQ plus community um, and, and women in science uh, and just showing that, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older um, and I, I came back and got my PhD with all you youngsters. I'm 31. If anyone's wondering, I don't care if you know that. Um, And so, Oh no, I wasn't saying it like I'm a thousand. I'm just saying I'm, I'm youngsters and I'm like, I'm still 25. I know. Well, I mean, it, it seems like a lot of difference. It doesn't really, but um, yeah. So if, you know, if science is something that interests you, definitely look into it. There's plenty of volunteer opportunities. 
Um, even in Bloomington, we have this thing called the Wonder Lab, which is like a like a science museum sort of thing for kids. And it does a lot of outreach, um, teaching kids about science and doing hands-on activities and playing with bugs and sand and all that fun stuff. So um, I'm sure there's some, if we have that in our small town, I'm sure there's more of those in wherever you are. So if you're in a town that's outside of Bloomington or you're not like a, you know, in the sciences as a profession, you can go find, uh, you know, there's science museums probably in your town that you can volunteer with. Um, there's plenty of citizen science opportunities. So there's, we can actually, let's do a whole episode about citizen science. Definitely do that. Yeah. Um, but there's lots of ways you can get involved. So my, my, my take home message is just to, to broaden your horizons. And if you're interested in science, just explore. Um, you don't have to have been like the best student. In fact, I think Allie and I both had the same GPA in college. <laughs> so we, and, um, you know, like I just love, I love being in science and I love being a scientist and getting to call myself a scientist. And someday I'll get to call myself doctor. Yay. Doctor virus. <laughs> doctor virus. So yeah, that's me. Yay. In a, in a less small nutshell than I'm sure Allie wanted, but hey, here we are. I mean, I might've been asking for a cashew and I got a whole walnut. You sure did. I don't think cashews are in shells, but we did the best. I asked for a pistachio and I got a whole walnut. There you go. There, you asked for a lentil and I gave you like a peanut. <laughs> I don't know why I'm continuing with these. I don't know why we're still listing beans that are smaller or bigger than one another. <laughs> you know, it's also smaller than a bean. <laughs> a smaller um, bean. A tardigrade is smaller than a bean. They are very small. Did I tell you they were very small? <laughs> Good lord. I love it. Ugh, okay. Well, we never know how to end the podcast, but we're not ending ending it because number one, we have to do our drunk science themes for next week. So have your topic prepared. I'm jumping the gun. So I'm gonna pick a topic for you for my box of, of drunk science. Oh mine's coming from my brain because as you we know I'm never prepared. Oh, this is a really fun one. I don't think you're gonna be as excited about it as me. But I don't it's think the... be as excited for mine as I am, so it's fine. So it's the fungal tree network or the wood wide web. <laughs> wood wide web. The wood wide web. So that's, I mean, Allie will tell you more about it, but. And so mine is a specific finding, um, but I think it adds a lot to um, a broader network of science. And so I want you to look at, hold on, I have it brought up right now. So I want you to talk about the, oops, sorry. I want you to talk about the science behind the ancient voice. And do you know what that is? I don't. What is that? Um, so it's the scientists that recreated the sound of an Egyptian mummy using uh, CAT scans. So they basically did CAT scan imaging of a mummy and then were able to recreate what uh, Egyptian mummies sound, like what the Egyptians sounded like using that, uh, what their vocal uh, region looked like in their larynx. Cool. So I want okay. You about the science behind the ancient voice the ancient voice all right i'm that's i that's a good one and there'll be a little bit in there probably about um like speech pathology and actual um the study behind that yeah but that would be interesting yeah no that's great i'm excited to learn about it because i don't really know anything about it i know I, that i knew that they did it i just didn't know that how they did it so now i'm gonna learn how they did it yeah i had a few different options but i like that one the best that's a good that's a really good one so yeah, so we'll see you in two weeks to talk about
the wood wide web and oh, my speech impediment is not going to be very great for this. The wood wide web. It's okay. I, I'm okay with it. I don't really have a speech impediment just sometimes. And also the ancient voice. The ancient voice. All right. Yeah. See you guys next time. Yeah, I'm going to go eat dinner now. Okay. Have, I hope everyone has a great holiday. For those of you celebrating Hanukkah, I hope your Hanukkah has been going great. Well, it have already gone. Never mind. I hope everyone had a great holiday season. Yeah. This is coming I mean, on 2021. Yeah, I was like, we can release this early if you want. I don't really care. 2021. Wow. Happy New Year. Just kidding. We recorded this in the middle of December. We did. We did record this in the middle of December. That we got a break. <laughs> yeah. If any, if any crazy things have happened to the world in, if in a we month, haven't we been, um, if we haven't been clear, grad students don't want to work during this few days off they get during the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. Next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Also, if you would like to reach us, feel free to email us at our Gmail at protonationnation at gmail.com. That's P-R-O-T-O-N-A-T-I-O-N-N-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at is underscore this underscore science on Twitter and is this science on Instagram. Please feel free to reach out to us if you want to be part of the podcast or if you have any topics or especially how to nots that you would like included in the show.